Hey everybody, this is Hunter Howard. I'm the lead pastor of Encounter Church. Here at Encounter Church, our vision is helping people encounter God. And that's what I pray and hope for you today, that you will encounter God through this message. Enjoy. You know, one of the things uh, that's so powerful here at Encounter Church is the five-fold ministry. And uh, we, God has really blessed us with sort of every form of, uh, uh, every office of ministry, apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, teacher, and not only, you know, here locally, but we bring people in from time to time uh, to, so that we have a, a sort of a balanced diet of all the ministry. If there's one thing I know about Pastor Deanna is that when she gives a word, it tends to be prophetic. It tends to be a right now word, all right? So I want everybody to, uh, to welcome Pastor Deanna. She comes and shares the word of God with us today. Gracias, Didi. Thank you. Thank you. I'm so excited because um, this past week, I don't know how many parents I have here that had fall break with their kids. How many? Raise your hand. Raise your hand. Because let me tell you something. You're going to receive a, a crown of glory. Because, and, and for those that worked at home and had their kids, that even is a double portion. So you receive it, okay? It was a fall break for us in our home. And let me tell you, we took, I, I took, let me say, not Julian, I took the kids to the fair. And it's like going on a wild adventure, you know? Uh, Lucas peed on his pants. We didn't make it to enough time to the bathroom. He then fell and scratched his knee. It was a disaster. Then I had an EMT come close to me, and I did not know he was an EMT. So he's like, hey, buddy, can I carry you? And I'm like, no, I'll carry him, you know, because I'm thinking like, oh, he's going to traffic my kid, take him there. Anyway, so I had all this scenario going on and very scared. So I carry Lucas. You know, if you know Lucas, he, he's not a light boy, you know. Anyways, I carried him and I'm, <laughs> and I'm walking and he's crying and this guy is beside me and he's like, I'm going to take you to the first aid canopy. And I'm like, okay, so when we get there, he finally tells me he's from the EMT. And I'm like, well, that's wonderful. Uh, you would have carried him better, you know? <laughs> so anyways, that was the first adventure for me. And then, you know, the week went on, and, and I kept asking the Holy Spirit, give me more patience, you know? And then, you know, things went on. And then yesterday we went to the pumpkin patch. We did not have wild adventures there, thank God, you know? But it was quite a week. It was quite a week. So I understand if you tell me, you know, I had my kids for fall break, and I had to work also from home. So there you go. You know, God is with you. He will uh, prosper you. His, uh, thing, his gifts are going to multiply on you whenever you have your kids with you, okay? <laughs> Anyways, so it's my time to preach this morning. I want to share with you what the Lord has been stirring in my heart, and I hope and I pray that the Lord stirs the same things in your heart but before that I want us if you're new to Encounter Church you're probably very new to this but this year we had a theme so I want to hear the church I want this to be dynamic okay so what is our year-long theme and what are we multiplying okay okay so do we remember the verse that goes with this Okay, what is it? Acts 6, 7. Okay, so let's say it together. Then the word of God spread and the number of disciples multiplied greatly. Wow, guys, we, we have it, you know. And all this year we're going through the book of Mark. So last week, Pastor Hunter spoke about heart matters. And he focused on the first half of Mark 10. So I am going to get from the other half of Mark 10. So I'm excited because, you know, he spoke about heart matters. I'm going to speak about the lessons 
from the heart of Jesus. And no, this is not my title, but you can put it in your notes, okay? That, that if you want to put it as your, so we have lessons. You know, our heart is very important to God. He spoke about having a childlike posture. He, he spoke about how sometimes as followers of Jesus, we misrepresent Jesus and how that grieves the heart of Jesus. Do you guys remember that? So today, like I said, I'm going to grab the other half, and I want to I wanna share with you uh, some lessons. Now, I'm going to explain to you how am I going to do this. So I'm going to read Mark 10. Thank you. I'm going to read Mark 10, verses 32 through 52. There's three different stories. However, those stories have a sequence, and at the very end, we're going to wrap it up with a common theme. Are we ready? Yes. Are we ready? So I'm going to, uh, we're going to read the first story. Then I'm going to unpack it for you. I'm going to show you what the lessons that the Lord has been stirring in my heart, hoping that the Holy Spirit is always at work in your heart. Okay? So let's go through it. Mark 10, 32 through 52. Are we ready? Okay, you're, you're quite quiet, but are we ready? Okay, if your neighbor is falling asleep, you have my permission, just don't say my name, to punch him. No, just kidding. Just kidding. We're not going to get aggressive in that sense. Okay, so it says, they were now on the way up to Jerusalem, and Jesus was walking ahead of them. The disciples were filled with awe, and the people following behind were overwhelmed with fear. Have you ever felt overwhelmed with fear? I have felt overwhelmed with fear. So let's keep on going. It says, are we, are, okay, taking the 12 disciples aside. So, the, okay, so this, I, I want to share something with you. The first story is when Jesus predicts for the third time that he was going to die. So previous chapters before he had already predicted, okay? So what happens? So we're going to focus on the first time, right? So Jesus is going ahead. They're going to Jerusalem because they're going to crucify Jesus there, right? So they're heading. Jesus is ahead. The crowd is overwhelmed with fear. But the disciples are amazed. They're astonished. And I want to bring up some, a very important point. They had just witnessed when Jesus had explained uh, was talking to the rich man, okay? But also the miracles, they had explained that, okay? They had seen that. He, they were there, you know, the crowd was there, and people were gathering and all that stuff. So Jesus comes, okay, and he gathers the disciples. Can we go to that verse? It says, taking the disciples aside. Remember, they were together with the crowd. So Jesus, I want you to picture this, okay? If you have uh, a hard time uh, picturing things, uh, you can do it. You can do it, okay? Um, taking the 12 disciples aside, Jesus once more began to describe everything that was about to happen to him. And he said, listen, he said, we're going up to Jerusalem where the Son of Man will be betrayed to the leading priests and the teachers of religious law. They will sentence him to death and hand him over the Romans. They will mock him, spit, and flog him with a whip and kill him. But after three days, he will rise again. Okay? That's the first story. Okay? So for those of you that have little kids, this is going to be very easy for you. Okay? Have you ever planned a vacation and, you know, uh, whether maybe a, a, a place where you're going for the first time? Maybe you do this, maybe you don't. So you grab your kids before you head to that vacation. This is what I do, and I say, hey, we're going to, I don't know, the lake. Now, you have to stay close because when we go to the lake, there's a lot of people there that you do not know. How many, uh, do you relate? Do you guys relate? Or maybe you had parents that still do that with you guys? <laughs> so... I want you to picture this because I feel that, the, that, that Jesus, this is what he did with his disciples. He, he gathered them separate. You know, he had a very intimate relationship with them. You know, there, there was friendship there. 
And so he saw the need. And whenever the action of separating them from the crowd, and I don't know if you'd know this, but that gives me the idea that there was a lot of friendship there and he had something special to tell them. To tell them, not the crowd. So he came and he separated them. And he said, hey, look, we're heading, and, and I feel, I could see this in, like, as I picture, I could see Jesus having eye contact with each of the 12 disciples, knowing that one of them was going to betray him. And I think that's important. Because Jesus will always make contact directly to you. Okay? He will meet you where you are. So he came and he gathered them. And I feel that, that he was there and he was explaining what was going to happen for the third time. Let me remind you, third time. Okay? I feel that when Jesus was doing that, it was important. If I was a follower of Jesus, I, I put myself in, in their feet, you know, in their shoes. And it's, it requires a lean in. It requires I need to pay attention. Maybe your kids don't do this. My kids, you know, we have to work harder. Um, and it requires like a focus because what he's about to tell them is very important. Remember, they had not experienced the Messiah. Remember when Pastor Liz showed us the timeline? The Messiah was, you know, they, they were waiting. The church was not there yet. So here I feel require much more intentionality and focus. So what am I saying this? What's the lesson for this part of the story? Pay attention to instructions. Pay attention to the instructions that Jesus is giving you right now, the ones he already gave you, and the ones he's about to give you. Okay? This is very key because as we walk with Jesus, we don't know what's next unless he tells us. Oh, but I don't know what's next. Have you read the word of God and you will know what's next? And sometimes you have no idea what's next, but because you are reading his word and you are leaning into him and because you are praying, you know what will happen next and you will be ready, okay? So pay attention to the instructions. The problem that we have nowadays is that we want the perks of Jesus, yet we don't want to obey the instructions, and that's why the church in general has become dormant, has become a tolerated sin. That's why we have misrepresented Jesus to the world. That's why there is no difference between a Christian and a non-Christian. Because we have failed to listen to the instructions of Jesus. Because we have failed to read the word of God. Because we have failed to come close to Jesus. Because we have failed to lean our ear to Jesus. And so that is the problem that we are having today. But guess what? Revival is coming, and that's why the church is being awakened with the truths. That's why the church is being shaken so we can, like, wake up and realize that we have been in sin or we have been tolerating sin or that we have been complacent. And so what happened? The Holy Spirit is saying, okay, now I'm ready because you are ready. Because you have listened to what I'm saying. Okay? Proverbs 4, 20 through 21. I don't have this verse on the screen, but it says, My son, pay attention to my words. Incline your ear to my saying. Do not lose sight of them. Keep them within your heart. Pay attention to my words. You know what happens when we don't follow instructions? And I'm not saying this in a religious way. But you know the instruction the Lord is giving you particularly. Because the instructions he gives me are not the same instructions he's going to give Kwame. So be, be careful because sometimes we want to, we think that this is like 
like a community thing, you know, like, it's like, oh, yeah, the same instructions. No, some yes and some no, okay? So what happens when we are not close to listen to the instructions, when we are not close to leaning in? What happens? We pollute the gospel. We pollute the gospel and we sell. I'm going to say this word because some of us should be very close because the gospel should not be sold. We sell the gospel that's polluted, that has no power of resurrection and of salvation. And we have watered down what Jesus really said. With the whole thing of like, oh, I don't want them. What are they going to think of me? Well, let them think what they need to think. You become like Christ. You live by, like Christ. And that requires leaning in. That requires listening to instructions. Get rid of this, Diana. Get rid of that, Diana. Well, I'm, I'm not, Lord, you're, you're, you're taking it a little bit too much. And we bargain with Jesus. And we bargain with the gospel. And we bargain with the crucifixion and the resurrection. And we negotiate. Who do we think Jesus is? He is not a negotiator. He's not a businessman. So why are, why are we doing this? I'm not mad, guys. Why are we doing this? We, we go out, we see our coworker is having trouble, and he needs Jesus, and we, we preach a very polluted gospel. And this is a polluted gospel. I'm going to tell him just about the grace that's happening. I'm not going to tell him about the entire work of the crucifixion of the cross. We cannot negate that there is a hell. Okay? People are going to hell because I have failed to say the full gospel. Because I have bargained with God. We have bargained with God. We have negotiated with him. And this is not a thing that we can negotiate. We cannot compare the gospel with Jesus with a contract or a negotiation like you do in the world. Business. No, 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 no. We need to do it right. We need to live right. If God is telling you get rid of that, get rid of that. If you don't get rid of that, that is going to kill you. And we need to let the power of the crucifixion transform us and the power of the resurrection resurrect us. Because they both go hand in hand. Okay? So that is the lesson for part one. <laughs> okay, so pay attention to instructions. Now we're going to read the second story, and this is the request of James and John. Remember, there is a sequence to this, okay? So I want you to remember that Jesus has pulled the disciples aside. He's telling them that he's going to die, that he's going to raise again. There is some sort of like, I feel that in a story, you know, like, like he's, he's kind of like stirring up the, the climax of the story, okay? So... And then let's read this because this is interesting. Let's go. It says, Then James and John, the sons of Zebedee, came over and spoke to him. Teacher, they said, we want you to do us a favor. In another translation says, we want you to do whatever we ask. Okay? It says, so Jesus. Yeah, starting from there, James and John, and if you are James and John, because I've been James and John, okay? We, we need to get it right. It says, so Jesus, he's so kind, you know? He's so kind. What is your request, he asked. They replied, when you sit on your glorious throne, remember, Jesus is telling them, I'm about to get crucified. They're going to flog me. They're going to mock me. He's having this intentionality, this conversation that is so deep, and then they come with this. When you sit on the glorious throne, we want to sit in places of honor next to you. <laughs> one on your right and one on, the, one on your left. But Jesus said to them, man, if, I'm glad I'm not Jesus because I would have been like, out. <laughs> you know? 
have you, so I want you to picture this. For those that have kids or that are acquainted with kids, I feel this is, this is what happens to me when, when I'm praying with, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to tell you a story. Okay, so before we go, and I hope you can, you can see the relationship. So before we head to school with Lucas and Sophia, like when we are in the car, we always pray, you know. So I give them the opportunity. Sophie goes first. Lucas goes second, and I'm the third one, right? So I'm here praying the best prayer some mom could pray for their kids when they're heading to school. And I said, Lord, that they are the head and not the tail. Lord, and I declare the spirit over them. So I am like casting out the devil, you know? And I'm like in the intensity of all this. And one day Lucas says, okay, mom, I got it. (laughs) And Sophie started like laughing and I was like well then you know thank you to my prayers you're not in deep trouble you know remember he's four so you know he can articulate pretty well so he said yeah we got it so I feel that the that that John and James you know we're like that. Jesus was telling them, and they're like, okay, yeah, yeah, we got it. But when you sit in the places of glory, you know, I'm going to sit. Can, you, can I sit on the right, and can I sit on the left? And, you know, and, said, and so Jesus said, you don't know what you're asking, exclamation point, you know. He said, able to, uh, it says, are you, can you go back a little bit? It says, are you able to drink from the bitter cup? of suffering I am about to drink are you able to be baptized with the baptism of suffering I must be baptized with oh yeah and you know what another version let me just this is very funny another version said that they responded yes why not you know (laughs) anyways Oh, yes, they, they reply, we are able, you know. <laughs> and so they said, then Jesus told them, you will indeed drink from the bitter cup and be baptized with my baptism of suffering. But I have no right to say who will sit on my right or my left. God has prepared those places for the ones he has chosen. When the ten other disciples heard what James and John had asked, they were indignant. They were like so mad. And I feel that they were like, these dumb disciples, why did they ask them this? Why, why did, you know, I, I kind of like, maybe I'm just that intense. Um, it says, so Jesus called them together and said, you know that the rulers in this world, in this uh, world, lorded over the people and officials, flaunt their authority over those under them. But among you, it will be different. Whoever wants to be a leader among you will be your servant. And whoever wants to be first among you must be a slave to everyone. For even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve others and give his life as a ransom for many. Okay? So there's two lessons here, and they don't go in a specific order. But the first lesson, I love how Jesus, first of all, it is very apparent that the disciples were not paying attention to the instructions that Jesus had just given them. It is apparent that they, they were not understanding, they were not paying attention, which led them to ask that question. And I love how Jesus turned the question and utilized it to teach them, but also I love that Jesus had already seen what the life of James and John was going to be like. I love how he knew Because one of them, John, was an exile in the island of Patmos. And that's, I believe, where he wrote Revelation. You know, and he died of very old age. And then James was beheaded. So he had seen 
yet he didn't treat them like if they knew because they didn't know. So before I run into, before I, I speak about the lessons, I want you to understand this. But this just reveals the humanity of the disciples. The disciples were like you and I. The fact that you read of them and that they were, you know, used by God doesn't negate that they were humans. That they had messed up. That they, that, that they were just not getting it, you know. And so the first lesson is about serving. He took the time. Jesus took the time and he turned the time. You know, he used this time because it was very pivotal. He knew what was going to happen next. So he taught them the necessary aspect of serving. So I have a lot to say about serving. Okay, so serving. First of all, the request that James and John asked Jesus was not necessarily bad. Okay, it was not bad. It was just human. It was just a human perspective, a human favor that they would like. And that, that represents that limited perspective that we have when it comes to Jesus. We are limited, you know. And that's why they ask, whatever we want, you know, whatever we want. You do whatever we want. And I don't know if you identify yourself with this, but sometimes we come to the Lord like that. We want you to do this and this and this and do it this way and like that, okay? And, you know, and, and, and I, I just feel that he's so kind. Jesus is very kind, and he listens. Yet he knows, and he explains to us, and he says, well, maybe not that way. Maybe this way. And, and, you know, we, we have issues, you know, at the beginning, but we, if your heart is leaning towards Jesus, you will be humble enough to say, okay, Lord, okay, I'll do your way, okay? So it, was, it wasn't necessarily bad. That request wasn't necessarily bad, but it was just limited. It was very limited. And the reason why it was limited is because James and John we're associating the kingdom of God with an earthly view and an earthly kingdom. So an earthly view of the kingdom was that what it, nowadays in the world, what you have, what you can give me, and who you are title-wise, is that's it. That's who you are. Okay? That's the world. The world is like that. What can you give me? Who are you in society and what do you have? Okay? But the kingdom of God is not that way. The kingdom of God is when you serve and you bow low, okay? That's the greatest thing. Now, I want to explain to you when it comes to serving that everything is a mirror of the heart. Okay? Take that into mind. Everything is a mirror of the heart. So when I serve, when I say I'm going to serve Jesus, I can pretend to serve, yet I don't know the one I serve. I can pretend to serve, yet not know the one I serve. And so we're living this pretend life, yet we don't know who he is. We don't know who he is. And so, you know, if, if, if this is a reflection of our heart, and if God is interested in my heart, don't you think that I should lean close to the one I serve so I can represent his heart when I serve? You know, sometimes we, we do it the other way around, you know. God is not after our giftings, what you can offer him, really. But we have, you know, we have adopted this mentality that I can come to church, that I can serve. Oh, because I used to be a pastor. Well, I don't think that's going to work. Oh, I, I, I'm, you know, yes, God did give you gifts. 
God did give us gifts. But we need to learn that we need to take our, our, our eyes out of ourselves and how we do this and fix our eyes on him and serve that way. And when we bow down low, guess what's going to shine? Jesus, and Jesus is going to put you in a little spotlight where they will see your gifts and you will be of a great, great blessing to many. But we want to do it the other way around, like, like the world does it in the, in, in the business. You know, in the business, you, you go in, and I have people here, you, you, you know this. You go in, you get hired, you get hired, they see your resume. Oh, she's awesome with this. She has done this, right, Caleb, Julian, and others that work in that. She, oh, she's awesome at this. Oh, so they hired you, okay, because you look good. So now let's see if that's real. And that's why we want to treat ministry. That's how we want to treat serving. And that's not it. Jesus say, I didn't come for them to serve me. I came to give my life to them. Okay? So when we serve, we represent Jesus and his service towards us, what he did on the cross. Okay? So... The other aspect of serving is that the first aspect was, you know, the, the, the mirror of the heart, the, the posture that you have. Are we knowing God? You know, do we know God when we serve? The other aspect or the, I would say, this could categorize in like two types of people, right? So we have the people that want to serve yet have no devotion to God. And then we have the people that do not want to serve, yet have a devotion to God. So here we go, okay? So what happens? Oh, yes, I love people. I love the kingdom of God. Oh, do you mind helping us in parking? I'm just going to leave it that way, you know. Or can you help us in kids? Oh, you know, my knee's hurting and uh, I have a pinky that's broken, you know. Okay, so you see? So some of us need to get up and show some action on our devotion to Jesus. That's a nice way of putting it, you know. You need to get up. You're warm, your, your seat is too warm now, Okay. It's warming up too much. There's a hole coming out of there, you know. You need to get up and start serving. Okay? You're, you're quiet, guys. <laughs> enough devotion. No, not really. There's not enough devotion. Okay? What am I saying with this? It's time to get up and start serving. Oh, I need to fast 10 days and I need to pray and go to the mountains so that the Lord will reveal to me if I need to serve in kids. Well, you keep on fasting and keep on praying and let me find someone that is available. Because I truly believe that Jesus is handing you the opportunities. Oh, no, I don't think that is from God. Well, what do you think is from God then? Oh, no, I'm going to fast. No, you don't need to fast. You already fasted. You need to get up. You need to find the need. Where's the need? And you know what? You can ask me, and I'll tell you all the needs we have. You know? You can ask Pastor Liz, and she will tell you the needs we have. You know? So get up. Take your devotion with you. And serve where there's a need. Well, I, I don't feel the Lord is leading me there, then where is the Lord leading you? Go serve. Guys, this is not complicated. Uh, really, this is not complicated. We need to get up. Now, let me tell you something. Let me tell you something. Because we can fall easily to this situation. And this is it. You know, the Lord has given us each one of us, a capacity to serve in every season, okay? 
my capacity is not the same capacity as Kwame. So when I serve, I need to serve the Lord in the capacity he gave me for this season. Not in the capacity that he gave Becca. Be careful there. Oh, I can't do what she does because the Lord didn't call you to do her capacity. Do your capacity. And be happy about it. And be cheerful about it. Don't come and be like, then why don't you go to the prayer closet, find yourself, get your act together. Maybe your devotion lost you somewhere. And then come back and serve with a cheerful heart. Remember, you are representing Jesus when we serve. Okay? So, so guys, get up. The devotion comes with you. And we need a lot of devotion. Let me tell you, there are some ministries where you need a lot of devotion. A lot of devotion. Because you need Jesus, you know? Because if not, people are going to encounter the wrath of the devil, you know? So, guys, it's important. It's important that we serve the Lord and that that reflects that devotion that I have with him as I, you know, serve. Okay, now I'm going to say another point that's very important. When we serve, we should never, I'm going to say this word never. Oh, don't say never. Pastor, don't say never. I'm scared. No, I'm going to say it. Never. We should never serve with the expectation of a title with an expectation of a position, okay, or something in, in, in like an exchange of something. Jesus is not that kind of God. So I'm going to put it in practical ways because this is going to help us, right? So when you serve with a cheerful heart and your devotion is abundant, right, Disregard the positions, disregard the titles, okay? Jesus doesn't need your opinions. We had plenty of those, and he already knows those, right? Some of us like to articulate those very often. When we serve, be humble and submit to, his, to whoever is the leader when you serve, you know, I have a lot to say on honor, and I don't have time to preach on honor. But honor is a currency from the kingdom of God. And this is a very young church. And we have young leaders and young pastors, some younger than others. Let me tell you something. I learned, I have learned this, and I, I have seen this, and it is a good thing that we know this and we understand this, okay? Jesus doesn't know, doesn't, doesn't, he doesn't need our opinions. Also, you're saying that I shouldn't give my ideas. No, you should, but there's a time and a place for you to share those, okay? Maybe you can do it much better than me. Maybe you can run hospitality better than me, and that's great, but if the Lord has me there right now, maybe it would be a better idea if your attitude would be like, how can I make this better? And when the due time, I will give you hospitality all to you. <laughs> you know, what am I saying, guys? I'm saying that it's important that we are humble. Humility will take you a long way. And, and, and you know what? Yes, yes, I understand. And goes this way around, either with young or old. If, if there's someone older than you, you, you submit. You might have a fresh idea. Well, guess what? Guess what? Maybe you need to, you know, and keep going, make things easier. I'm here. Yes, let's do this with a cheerful heart. Am I, am, are you guys understanding this? You know? It's important that we are humble. It's important that we submit to each other. 
It's important that we make this, that we are advancing the kingdom, not advancing my kingdom. So we are advancing the kingdom of God, not advancing my idea. And because I did not like what my leader told me, like, no, we're, that's not going to work right now. We're too small. Then I throw a fit, whether in front or in private. Usually that goes in private. Right? I did not like what she said. I did not like what she said and how she told me. And you know what? I'm not serving there anymore. Guys, I've done it before. So don't, don't tell me that. You don't know this because you know this, you know? You know this. It's the flesh, and that's how it looks. Okay? So three things that are very important. We're going to be humble, and we're going to submit to each other. We're going to mirror Jesus when we serve, and we're going to serve with a cheerful heart. Okay? Okay, guys. So the second, thank you, Kwame. <laughs> so the second, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go this very quickly because of time. The second aspect to the, to the lesson in this, um, in this story is the lesson of dying to my flesh. I'm dying to my flesh, okay? So when Jesus tells them, you have no idea what you're asking. You have no idea. But then he says, as a matter of fact, as a matter of fact, you will, you will take this bitter cup of suffering and crushing. You know, and so that's dying to myself. You know, we, we are going, it's not easy. You know, whoever tells you that being a Christian is easy, fine, and dandy, and everything, that is a wrong gospel. You will go through trials. You will go through suffering. You will go through tribulation. But guess who's your victor? Jesus is the victor. So that means that when you go through this, through the crushing and the suffering and the dying to the flesh, guess who's going to walk with you? Jesus. And that's what, what makes it worth it. So the dying to the flesh is constantly... And the dying to the flesh of what he's asking me is not the same as what he's asking Becca. The Lord might be telling you, hey, you need to crush your flesh over there. You need to do this. And sometimes we want to resist the crushing. We want to resist the purging. We want to resist Jesus himself because we don't like it. And you know what that does? That just like... Pushes him away and pushes him away. And then you're wondering, why, why are they running faster than me? Why are they seeing what's happening to me? Because you don't want to die to your flesh. You don't want to die to your flesh. You don't want to die to the dishonesty that comes out of your mouth. You don't want to die to the lying that's coming out of your lips. You don't want to die to the offense that you often carry. You don't want to die to the misrepresentation of Jesus that you have carried all these years. You do not want to die. So if you don't want to die, then no one is going to resurrect inside of you. Jesus is not going to resurrect inside of you. Then there's no transformation happening. So you sell the gospel for a very watered down power you want to see miracles then die to your flesh you want to see the Lord move in your family die to your flesh oh but this feels so comfortable okay if it feels so comfortable don't be asking the Lord because it's none of the Lord's business why he couldn't do that miracle that's the problem. Oh, I want the perks of salvation. I want the perks of the cross. Yet I'm not willing to carry the cross, die to my flesh, get down on my knees, and ask the Lord to transform me. But I want the perks. Well, that doesn't work that way. It doesn't work that way. Okay? That was the second point inside of my, inside of my story. Okay, so the third story. And we're getting close to the end, guys. Hang in there. Hang in there. Okay, let's go. And it says, Then they reached Jericho, and as Jesus and his disciples left town, a large crowd uh, behind him, a blind, a blind beggar named Bartimaeus, was sitting beside the road. 
When Bartimaeus heard that Jesus of Nazareth was nearby, he began to shout, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Be quiet, many of the people yelled at him. But he only shouted louder, son of David, have mercy on me. When Jesus heard him, he stopped and said, tell him to come here. So they called the blind man, cheer up. They said, come on. I love it. I love how, how we as humans can react so quickly, you know. Cheer up, they said. Come on, he's calling you. Bartimaeus threw aside his coat. He jumped up and came to Jesus. What do you want me to do for you? Jesus asked. My rabbi, the blind man said, I want to see. And Jesus said to him, go for your faith has healed you. Instantly the man could see and he followed Jesus down the road. There is one lesson that we can learn here, and it's heart matters. <laughs> you know, this same question was, you know, the, the disciples had told Jesus, do whatever we, we want. And then the Lord asked them, what do you want me to do for you? But that request was very self-centered, right? So what happens here? During those days, I want to explain a little bit. During those, those days, a lot of the, the, the work that was done was a lot of physical labor. So any type of physical impediment that you had, that meant that you couldn't work, so automatically you were categorized and you were sent, you were sent out to beg. And I was reading also some commentary said that back in that day, the government used to give them like a, like a specific, like coat that would like tell people that these people were beggars right so with this in mind with this understanding I want to say a few things one of them is that when Jesus when Bartimaeus he said that that Bartimaeus heard that Jesus was coming he was outside okay and he said Son of David, he said, can we go back? Yeah, son of David, have mercy on me. That, that phrase means that he recognized the Messiah. Because in history, it said that he was going to come from the lineage of David. But this is so, like, mind-blowing. He was not a disciple, he was not a disciple, so he had not, and he was not with the crowd that had experienced the miracles. He had just heard from Jesus, and he said, son of David, have mercy on me. And the crowd shut him up. And the church can be the crowd. And that is so dangerous. That we can shut down those who are calling, have mercy, Jesus, have mercy. You know how we shut, how, how we sh sh shut up, I guess, shut down those people? You know how we do that? When they come to our church and our programs are so perfect that, oh, no, I don't have time to pray for them. Oh, well. She already came like three times to the altar to pray for healing. What's wrong with the fourth? Or the fifth? And we shut people down from experiencing an encounter with Jesus. And you know another thing how we can, we, we can do that? Our testimony outside. I like to party hardy, yet I call myself a Christian. So what's the difference? If there is no difference between you and the coworker that you're trying to win to Jesus, then there is a big problem. If there is no difference between the way I speak from my neighbor that doesn't know Christ, that is a big problem. And we have lived and represented Christianity that way. 
So we are shutting down. So then Jesus stops, and there's a version that says that Jesus stops on his tracks, and he calls him. And I love Jesus because he calls him, yet he's blind. So he calls him. That requires, so it doesn't say that Jesus was near to the blind man and held him up. No. It says that Jesus said, can we put that verse again? It says that he, bring him here. Did he say bring him here? Am I making that up? Tell him to come. Tell him to come. Jesus had already seen, he had already, he see, he saw. He saw that he was going to recuperate his sight. But he wanted to see the action of faith. Okay? So it says, Jesus knows, I'm going to say this, Jesus knows what's going to happen tomorrow in your life and in 10 years. But it requires a step of faith for you right now, for you to see it made tangible. Okay, it says, tell him to come here. So they call the blind man and the same people that had shut him down were like, cheer up. (sighs) Guys, this is a hypocritical heart. This is a hypocritical heart. And I, I repent from the hypocritical heart. We can walk with Jesus and yet have a hypocritical heart for the lost. We need to repent. This is not like Jesus is coming. And there's people that don't know him. And he said, cheer up, calm down. And, and you know, the blind, man, the blind man comes. You know, what do you want me to do for, for you? I want to regain sight, he said. Yet in his heart, he had already recognized the Messiah. And, you know, and he said that he took out his, his uh, cloak, his, can we put that verse again? It said that he, um, he threw aside his coat. Remember that coat was given to represent the life he had. The life that constantly the world was telling him, you are blind, you will beg, you have no future. Some of us need to throw away the coat and when he said that it jumped up, he jumped up. There's an action. He jumped up. He followed Jesus. And then he followed Jesus. Take the coat off. Remove the coat. I don't know what kind of coat you need to get, get rid of. I don't know what kind of thing you need to jump up. And I don't know if you really need to follow Jesus. So I'm going to end with this, guys. Remember I told you at the beginning that we have three different stories, yet they have a sequence. Now they have a common thread. And this is the common thread of all these stories. The crucified life will lead to miracles and breakthrough. It was the crucified life of Jesus that led to the miracle of salvation. It was the crucified life of Jesus when he was here as a man for people to experience deliverance and healing. It is the crucified life that Jesus is asking us, if you want to see me, if you want to see breakthroughs, if you want to experience the entirety of who I am, you need to crucify your life. We need to crucify our life. Galatians 2.20 says, and I'm closing with this, I have been crucified with Christ, It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life I now live in the flesh. I live by faith in Christ, in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. It's the crucified life. I don't know where you are in your journey with Jesus. Maybe you do not know him. Maybe you do not understand. Maybe you, maybe you have heard of him. Maybe you're like Bartimaeus. You're just, you know, you're on the verge of experiencing him. Maybe you're like the crowd. I don't know which every, like, I don't know. I don't know. You know. And we're going to go into ministry time. And, and if we can, like, bow our heads, you can, you can stand up.
and we're going to change some time. I'm going to do this differently. Normally, we, we ask the pastors to come to the front, but I really believe that the Lord needs to deal with us in our hearts. The altar is open. You can come to the altar if you feel that you need to, you know, kneel. But I want the Holy Spirit to really start stirring up in your heart. You know what the Lord has been speaking to you through this preaching. You know where you are. If you don't know Jesus, this is your time to come close to him and to receive him as your personal savior. We cannot ex experience breakthroughs and breakthroughs and miracles if we do not know the one that died for us. And if you are this person, maybe you are here, this is your first time, your second time, or, or maybe this is, you have been here for quite a while, but yet you do not know him. I want you to, to extend your hands. Why don't we all just, just extend our hands in, a, in an act of surrender and repeat this prayer if you do not know Jesus. Jesus, I recognize you as my personal Savior. Become the Lord of my life. Help me, Lord to turn away from sin and to go to the cross. I repent from my sins. I repent from my shortcomings. I receive you today and may your Holy Spirit come and empower me to walk with you to the end of my days. Holy Spirit. I thank you for the miracle of salvation. You know, this morning there, I, I feel there's several kinds of people here. There's a group of people that are devoted to Jesus, yet by some reason are afraid to serve him, are afraid to go back to a heart of service. Maybe you, maybe you were hurt when you were serving. I feel that the Lord is telling you to come back to him. Because prior to that, you were serving with your eyes fixed on a man. But your eyes, when we serve, we need to fix our eyes on Jesus. So I feel, you know, that is one group of people. The other group of people is that you, you have a, a very religious and hypocritical heart. And, and that's religion. And I feel that the Lord wants to free you from that so you can represent Jesus well. Maybe your testimony hasn't been a great testimony. Maybe you have been a, a, a stumbling block for someone to see Jesus. And for you, this is important because it's important that you repent. That you repent from that selfish ambition, from that religious spirit, from that legalism. Because you too, your eyesight has been limited because of that. And you are not able to experience Jesus as who he is. And he wants to encounter you. And I feel there's another group of people where 
they are going through the crushing and the pressure. And some of you, it's like I heard it. It's like a voice that I heard. It says, I am serving you with all my heart. I have given almost everything, Lord, that I have. And this is how you pay me. Some of you have said that. And, and why am I going through this again? And I feel that the Lord is saying to you that breakthrough is coming. And you need to, re, like, fix your eyesight because you have been so honed in the pressure and the crushing and, and you know, and, and, and that you have forgot to come close to him as your father. So this morning, I'm going to have the worship team, and we're going to worship. I believe when we worship, we fix our eyes on him, and things become more clear. If you need to come to the altar, the altar will be open. But this is for everyone. This is not only for, you know, later on we will pray for you. But right now I believe the Lord is dealing with each one of us. And we need to repent. And we need to cry out to the Lord. And we need to just like throw aside the coat, jump on and follow Jesus. Thank you so much for tuning in today. I really believe God spoke to you through his word today and is moving in your life. If you'd like more information about Encounter Church or you'd like to give your tithes and offerings, you can visit our website at EncounterChurchAtlanta.org. I'd also like to invite you to share this message on social media. Thanks again.